You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It almost feels silly to kind of go line by line through what happened because it feels like we're immediately just jumping to the end. That's where everybody wants to go. Let's go right to the end. And I, I, I don't I don't dislike that. I mean, it's it's my impulse as well. I mean, as the season goes on, it's less interesting to go through the the minute details, whereas early in the season it makes more sense. Because we already have, you know, I'm going to get too deep and stupid early on, but, you know, if you think about it, week one, every piece of data represents 100% of the information you know. I mean, you could say that there is prior data that can be assumed, at least to some degree, but whatever. What we know about the 2023 Green Bay Packers, when you're one week in, everything is new. And you, you overanalyze every little piece of data. And when you are 14 games into the season, and 15 weeks into the season even, all the minute details don't move the needle quite as much, so they don't feel quite as relevant. And so you kind of have this, this notion of saying, you know, yeah, 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 fast forward to the end. What do we do now? Where are we at? Big picture. It becomes much more big picture focused, right? If you're, if you're a little bit closer to the playoffs, um, I don't mean in terms of, you know, timeline, I mean, in terms of your, your record and, and how likely you are to get there. It's like, yeah, that, that's nice. We beat that team. What, what does that mean now? Where do we rank in, as far as DVOA? Where do we rank in the power rankings compared to these other teams? What are our odds of actually making a move, right? I mean, that, that's where the big focus shifts. And I think for the Green Bay Packers, it's more of, look, we, we can go through the Packers loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34 to 20. And I can go through the box score. We can go through the individual stats. Jordan Love was 29-39, 284, 7.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no picks. 36 yards was his longest. He was sacked twice, had a 111.5 passer rating when targeted. When targeted. I'm an idiot. I'm so used to saying that for the wide receivers. Had a 111.5 passer rating, period. And and yeah, we'll, we'll probably go through this and all that, but... I, I just get the notion, first of all, there, there's the innate instinct in me where it's like, all right, let's go through it. And everything in me is like, I, who cares? I don't want to do it. And it's like, yeah, but you got to do it. And then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, if I was listening to my own podcast, I'd almost want to turn it off. Like, th- this isn't the conversation being had. It's not, you know, what was Jordan Love's completion percentage? I mean, that that does matter. It's not Aaron Jones's yards per attempt, although that does matter. It's is Joe Barry getting fired today or next year or never? Or what are we doing here? Are we going to make the playoffs or not? Do we want to make the playoffs? Is Matt LaFleur culpable? Should he be fired? Is Jordan Love the quarterback or not? Do we have a future with this guy or not? Kenyon Drake had one carry for zero yards. He almost fumbled it in there. I don't know if you saw that. Patrick Taylor had one carry for six yards. That's six yards per attempt, folks. What is what does this team look like? Let's let's have a discussion about the emergence of Tucker Craft. You mean like six targets, four receptions, fifty-seven yards? No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that at all. Kind of, but no. <laughs> and so I think I think that is kind of where we're at. It, it's all sort of big picture, especially since everything is so new. You know, if 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 this was the same team, if this was you know, friggin' twenty sixteen or. 
2021 or kind of you know late stage of a certain era that's been around for a long time. A lot of the re- repeat players, we'd be looking at it. And the only thing that matters is the, the, the playoffs, really, or the draft if things are that bad. But there's not as many questions. I, I don't need to answer questions about Aaron Rodgers aside from how much longer does he have. I don't need any questions asked or answered about Devontae Adams. Like, dude's freaking amazing pretty much every single time. Like, I don't, I don't have questions. So I, I think those are the big storylines, as best as I can tell. The, the biggest one right now is about Joe Barry. If I'm just sticking a finger up in the air and saying, okay, where are the winds blowing? It's not even close. Everybody, and by everybody, I mean literally every tweet that I can find in regard to like big picture topics, everything is about the defense and Joe Barry. Here, here's what I'm, let, let me give you my thoughts on this game. I was not nearly as upset in this game as I was against the Giants. And interestingly enough, every time I'm, I always feel like I have a unique take, people reach out to me with almost the exact same take. It's almost like we just, we're all, and I know there are, there are some individual takes, but we're all so linked. I don't know if it's just the podcast or as Packer fans or what, but I always feel like I know everybody's going to feel this way, but I always, I actually feel like this. Everybody has, that's reached out to me has said almost the same thing. Two thoughts that are kind of linked together in regards to why this game did not bother me very much at all and was nowhere near as upsetting as last week. Number one, and I've already given you the answer, if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple days, I don't care about defense anymore. They could have scored 70. It makes zero difference to me. I don't care. Listen, I've talked not just today, but other times about, you know, building an opinion based on information, right? Jordan Love, we don't have enough information. And the more information comes in, and the more that it looks negative, the more likely it is that he's not very good. And then the more that comes in that's positive, the more it leans that way. And it takes a while to kind of accumulate enough information to the point where you feel like you have, at least you can be, you feel rational in putting a stamp on it. Now, some people want to put a stamp before a person even you know, takes a picture with Roger Goodell. I, that guy's trash, or this guy's going to be a lead, or whatever. But I think in the sake of fairness, there, there needs to be a period of time that you give somebody, and um, there also needs to be the, the allowance of people to, to have their opinions. Sometimes anytime you judge any player is just seen as, as horrific. How dare you? I mean, they, they, they can improve. It's, yeah, I know they can improve, but they're 42 years old. Like me, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's not coming, but maybe. And so with a lot of things, I don't, I don't know. But when it comes to the defense, when it comes to the situation that we're in, and just the defense as a whole, I don't need more information. Now, that kind of does two things. On one hand, they could have come out and shut out the Bucks, And guess what? I would not have been moved by that. Because I've already got an opinion. And it's based on a massive mountain of data that precedes Joe Barry even coming to Green Bay when he presided over some horrific defenses. And then add in the three years that he was here which includes occasional good games. But again, for me, the verdict's in. The situation, the system that we have, and I don't just mean schematically, I just mean the, the, the unit that is our defense and all the pieces that, are, that it is comprised of, and, and the way in which it's currently configured does not work and cannot work and must not continue. That's done. I don't care anymore. But I also think that works in another direction, too, where I don't look at 34 points and pretend like this is an accurate representation of our defense. I I don't think it is. It doesn't matter to me. And it's just another data point that goes in the wrong column for Joe Barry. But this isn't representative of how the defense has been all year. And I don't think it's fair to pretend that it is. 
But again, for me, it's not even a discussion worth having because it doesn't matter. Our defense got picked apart the entire day. I mean, it, it, it was constant. They, it, they, they may as well have been tapped right into the headset. Maybe Quay Walker had the volume in his helmet turned up too loud and they could just hear all the calls. I don't know what was going on, but it, 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 I've never seen hyperbole. I have never seen an offense move down the field so effortlessly through four quarters ever. Again, hyperbole. That's not true. I don't remember it. It's been a long time since I've seen something like that. I mean, you just, you just knew third and 18, guaranteed somebody will be wide open in the middle of the field and will catch a pass for a first down. And like clockwork, they did it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And I just sat back and just smiled and just said, yeah, okay, whatever. But, but the other thing that I said is what matters here is I want to see the offense. I want to see the offense look competent, run good routes, throw good passes, catch balls, score points. They didn't do a, a fantastic job of that. But th- th- there's, there's, there's really just two sides. And we'll leave special teams out because, honestly, I don't remember enough to have a, a super positive or negative. I believe it was quite good just off the top of my head. But if we just split it into offense and defense, I think the offense looked like the offense that you should expect. Right, The Kansas City Chiefs game, I think, is a good representation of what this offense can be at its best. But I don't think it's fair to assume that that's how it's going to be all the time. And so we see some errant throws. Not a ton, but there certainly were some. Um, and some of them were, were forgivable. You know, he's, he's on the run or whatever. Some of them are in, unforgivable, in which he had a clean pocket, should have set his feet and thrown a good ball, and he didn't. Um... Uh, you know, uh, uh, we saw, again, two receivers running in the exact same spot. You know, it, it's it's annoying, but it happened a lot early. We really haven't seen it since, and this is like the first time since, what, week six or something that we've seen that happen. So it's it's progress. We're moving in the right direction. We're also seeing the emergence of a lot of things, right? We're seeing Jordan Love kind of level off a little bit, but still, like he had that terrible game and an immediate bounce back game. Now, it wasn't Kansas City bounce back. But this is right in line with, you know, if this game had come, you know, prior to the Lions game or something, we'd look at that and go, hey, another good game. But the bar was set so high at the, in that Chiefs game that now it's like, yeah, that still isn't good. It's like, yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I want to see the better version, too. But that was still pretty good. And again, remember, same thing I said last week. Although it had negatives, one thing that this game had that a lot of the early negative games did not were the wow throws. And just for example, that Jaden Reed touchdown pass, good freaking Lord. There's a lot of positives here. I mean, again, remember, Christian Watson's still out. We saw the, the I just had the question asked uh, probably for either today's podcast or last night's Packernet After Dark, but the, uh, two nights ago, whatever, question regarding running the ball and, and, and how beneficial that is. Well, we saw it with Aaron Jones. Now that got shut down immediately. And I think there was some frustration we didn't do it, but I think I think essentially what happened was Tampa Bay shut the door on that, and we needed to be able to respond and attack with the passing game so that they could lighten back up, and, and we really weren't effective enough in the pass to get them to kind of calm down, because every time we ran the ball after that, it was done. But it doesn't matter, because again, the ultimate point is, you can see the benefits. And so, tweak that offensive line maybe a little bit, and whether it's Aaron Jones or finding a new Aaron Jones, which we're going to have to do the second one anyways, similar to the the Aaron Rodgers conversation where it's like, well, you shouldn't get rid of him. It's like, you have to get rid of him at some point. You, you cannot 
unless he finds the the fountain of youth somewhere or whatever and, and can just play for eternity, it has to happen. I don't think it's the most crucial thing, but man, it's it's fantastic to have balance. Again, if nothing else, as a crutch to lean on when you're struggling to get things going. And I think in this game, it did help us a little bit. Again, it got shut down quick. Basically, after the first drive, we couldn't run anymore. Not with Aaron Jones, not with really anybody else. But it's nice to have it. And so again, when you look at it, you say, okay, Jordan is, he's growing even in season. And there's every reason to believe that he can continue to grow even next year, right? We saw that with Favre and Rodgers also. They, they weren't exactly at their best in their first years. But you saw the promise. I don't know if the lows were quite as low with Rodgers and Favre. Maybe Favre, I don't know. Rodgers, I don't believe it was. But all three of them have the highs, the incredibly high highs. Okay, so you have that. You also have the, the, the other thing that I like is the fact that there are areas you can identify as weaknesses as opposed to the defense. Now, I'm not saying the defense is perfect, but when you think about it, who exactly are we going to realistically replace with somebody that's better? There aren't a ton of areas. We're not getting new and better edge rushers. We're not getting new and better linebackers. We're not getting new and better corners. I mean, maybe, but I mean, th- th- this is it. And at best, you you what? You you draft a first round corner and hope that he comes in and does better than the last first round corner. Maybe. But you look at the offense, and there's just hodgepodge everything everywhere. Mid to late round offensive linemen across the board, basically. Again, looking to the future, we don't really have many running backs. There's There are absolutely areas to improve. We don't have a left tackle. As far as I'm concerned, we don't have a right guard. And the center is up for debate. We haven't had a running back all year. We haven't had Christian Watson hardly at all year. And in the midst of that, we're seeing what? The emergence of guys like Jaden Reed who's really, really coming on strong the last several weeks. We're seeing the emergence of Tucker Craft. We're seeing the emergence of Duntavian Wicks. I mean, I have borderline all of whom have passed Romeo Dobbs. And it doesn't even feel to me as though Romeo Dobbs has taken a step back. Romeo's still Romeo. I just feel as though Craft and Wicks and Reed have surpassed him. Heck, Malik Heath may have passed him. And you want to talk about emergence, as silly as that sounds, and you know how I feel about guys like Malik Heath who have a couple good games... I mean, I'm watching it happen. So the bottom line is, I feel good about it. I feel good about the offense, not as it stands today, not not in its ability to go out and win a Super Bowl this year or even get to the playoffs, much less win in the playoffs. But I feel good about the, the structure and the foundation of this offense moving forward into the future. And as far as the defense, how do I feel about it? I feel fine about it. Because it's in the same situation now as it was last week, as it was at the beginning of the year, and as it will be at the end of the year. It's a defense that has plenty of raw tools that need somebody to come in and figure out how to utilize them better than they've been utilized. That isn't to say that there can't be tweaks and things that can be added and and made better. But being one of the worst defenses in football with this level of talent is freaking appalling. And um, so it's it, it all just comes down to, you know, really needing to make sure that we find the right guy. And I tell you what, I, I you know, I, I as I've said a thousand times, I am a really big fan of Matt LaFleur's play calling. And I know there was some frustration again in this game. I, I don't I haven't heard it. I think, honestly, more people are upset with Matt LaFleur about Joe Barry than anything else right now. But um, I was annoyed with getting away from the run, even though it wasn't working very well. I felt like we got away from it way too uh, not even too quickly. We, we shouldn't get away from it at all. It's just the fact of like throw, 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 punt is like, I mean, we're not even going to try it, you know? 
and you or you know you throw on first down and it's incomplete and now you don't feel comfortable enough to run on second and 10 because you know you're only going to get about two yards and you don't want to be in third and eight which i understand which is why as boring as it is to run on first down freaking do it and of course some of those times you got to set up play action i whatever there's a whole thing here but I, I still I still enjoy his play call. I'm still astonished at the amount of times on third downs there are, there are guys open. And, and I think it would be even 10 times better if Jordan Love threw, didn't miss some of the passes that he missed and the receivers didn't miss some of the passes that they should have been able to get. And if the routes were cleaner and all these different things, the communications and the penalties and the delay of games and everything else, if, if there was a better execution, I think it would be even more impressive because we can see it clearly. Like there's a wide open guy and he missed him. And it's like, well, freaking that was a first down. Now we got a punt. However, I absolutely understand outside of that. If I just, if we just leave that aside for argument's sake, I understand general frustration. And I think the defensive coordinator is a big one. JJ had made the point. I don't know if it was just to me or if it was on social media or what, but talking about Joe Barry, I think it was just a tweet he made, but it was something to the effect of, you know, the real frustration is there are there are really good options available and have been for a long time, and everybody knows who they are. Everybody knew their names. And he, instead of going out and getting these guys, chose to hire the guy who he's friends with. And it's not to say it's pure nepotism, but maybe there's a comfortability factor that he thought would be good or whatever. And the, the the real frustrating part is not only did he hire the wrong guy, but a lot of these other big names are going out and ha- are are doing a quality job. So I think there is a process issue there that needs to be rectified. Um, I don't honestly really care if Matt Lafleur knows the guy, but that really needs to be a non-factor. I mean, a non-factor, not even a fifty-fifty tiebreaker. Find a different tiebreaker. It needs to be a complete non-factor. And there does need to be an understanding here that, uh, you know, it's not even a matter of, is Joe Barry the issue? I think everybody fully accepts that the time to move on is at hand. I think that's, that, that is going to happen, whether that's going to be today, tomorrow, or next year, which we can talk about after the break. My thoughts on that whole thing, that's sort of beside the point. The, the point now is sort of the buck stops here thing, where you look at Matt LaFleur and say, as he said in his press conference, he is responsible for the entire team, not just the offense. And it wasn't just a matter of finding the wrong guy. It was a matter of keeping the wrong guy. And so, you know, the, the, one of the, the reprieves here is that this is clearly a, a, a growing and learning year. This is about young guys that don't know very much growing together and learning, but also learning about the team in and of itself. As I said, this is about understanding is Jordan the guy what do we have on offense? What do we have on defense? What do we have in our coaching staff? And how do we take what we have currently, which is different than what we had, and how do we build around it? In other words, we didn't, it wasn't to the detriment of a potential Super Bowl run. Because if this team was on a war path to a Super Bowl and it was evident that it's capable of doing it, except for the defense, this would be massively damaging. But the fact of the matter is this team is, is really just not good enough I don't, I mean, of course, any team can can get hot at the right time and kind of go on a run or whatever, but it doesn't seem to be that level of a team right now that's going to be able to sustain that level of success against that quality of an opponent, you know, talking about playoff teams, long enough to actually hoist the Lombardi Trophy this year. But I think Matt really needs to understand the severity of this, that that you are responsible for the defense. You and, and Joe Barry, or uh, you and uh, 
Brian Gutekunst ultimately. I don't, and I don't just mean from a coaching standpoint, but you got to find the right coaches and you got to get in the right players and you got to be able to develop those players. And it's simply that combination that's going to give us a great defense. And we cannot do another three-year stint. And I know there needs to be some level of, of patience, but it's not true that nobody ever comes in and just does well. You know, there's a lot of talk about that second year leap, but there are many times when year one just takes off without a hitch. And again, you can look at Minnesota. I know they didn't have the best week this past week. Or, I mean, it wasn't a terrible week, actually, when you look at overall, but collapsed a little bit at the end. But that's not even the question. The question is the gap between what they were prior to the defensive coordinator and what they are now. It's a massive leap. The, the fan base is ravenous for, and dare I say, deserving of freaking results. And it's time to start expecting and demanding results. And it's it's weird because on, on one hand, and this is why I separate offense and defense, on one hand, it's it's not fair to expect that really from the offense. I mean, you want some results, and we're seeing it. We're seeing growth. We're seeing years of, of, of development that went into Jordan Love and the fruits of that. We're seeing, you know, good picks from our GM on offense. We're seeing development from guys. We're seeing growth. We're seeing creative play calling and innovation and all we're seeing all that stuff that's great but there's also that you know you, you tamp down like this should be a super bowl caliber blah 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 no nah, i don't i don't know if it was that'd be great i don't know about it. expectations but for defense enough is freaking enough figure it out bro i mean this is like the bears with quarterbacks at this point it's embarrassing uh, the bears are not even that terrible of an example either they they started to figure it out on defense they don't have much on defense. I mean, they got some guys, but the fact of the matter is the Packers have the best defensive pieces in the NFC North and might have the worst defense in the NFC North. I know the Lions are going to try to give them a run for their money, but yes, I do expect results. And I, I, I promise you next year, there's going to be, assuming there's a new defensive coordinator, which if there's not, is going to be freaking riots and, and rightly so. There's going to be a lot of people talking about it's year one, calm down. These things take time. And I'm going to say bullcrap. I'm, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of we'll get them next time. I'm tired of all this stuff. It's been, ye- I mean, it's, it's six years now between Joe Barry and Pettin. And that doesn't even include the last however many years uh, of Dom Capers before he was, I mean, when was the last time he had a good defense? 2010? We probably had a couple other ones mixed in. I know 2011 wasn't very good. Maybe 2016-ish. I mean, depending on your definition of good. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I expect better results. I'm I'm not talking about top five. If you get a better, if you get a new defensive coordinator in here, I expect to see growth. Period. And and it's it'll be one of those things. We don't need to talk about what I'm referring to, but it's one of those things where you know it when you see it. Because if I try to define it now, it can you know there's always the NFL does a great job of like weaseling around these things where it's like it if this thing happens, it's either black and white, and then then something happens like well I didn't see that angle coming, but you know, whatever. There needs to be growth. It needs to be better. It needs to look cohesive. I think that's one of the things I like about the offense is it looks cohesive. It feels like it works. I mean, it's sometimes there's bad play calls and sometimes like the, uh, what do you call it? The, the rhythm or the flow or, or the, the, the way in which the plays are called, you know, don't seem to make sense, but overall it makes sense and it flows and it works. And it looks like a cohesive unit that just needs some work. The defense looks like me playing Madden where I'm just like picking stuff. And it's like, then they complete a pass. And in my head, I'm thinking, I feel like I called the right play for that. You know, I, I call the one with like the three bubbles 
kind of in the middle, you know, and then they threw it in the middle of the field there. And that's where like the three, I thought the three bubbles in the middle one would be like a good play to stop exactly that. And then they threw it right where I thought I was stopping it. And then they caught it and I don't know why. So I guess I'll pick a new one now. (laughs) Anyways, why don't we take our first break? We'll come back. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, um, the great debate of should he even have a job come tomorrow morning or your morning time. And of course, some other things. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so insofar as the Joe Barry thing, you know, my first reaction when I heard everybody screaming about, he, you know, Matt LaFleur needs to be fired if Joe Bar- Barry has a job tomorrow was, okay, let's calm down a little bit, right? Like, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of on the same page that this isn't good enough, and I understand this was a uniquely bad game for the defense, but again, we're, we're kind of conflating it and pretending that this is how things have always been, and therefore he shouldn't even have a job tomorrow when in reality it hasn't been this bad. And if every defensive coordinator uh, that gave up 34 points got fired when their defense gave up 34 points, every, you know nobody would have a job basically for two years straight. And so I, I kind of just brushed it off as, as sort of overreaction. And, you know, generally I don't like it. And, um, you know, it, the thing is, it, you might think, well, you know, you said before, that we don't have to have an answer for who fills it in. 
if you know that it's broken, he needs to go bye-bye. That's it's essentially what you said. So why wouldn't you support firing him? And I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just, I'm just working through it. The point is, it doesn't make a difference. What we're trying to do is fix next year. And the primary means of doing that is hiring a defensive coordinator that's going to help us next year. Whether or not Joe Barry gets fired on the 18th of December or the 18th of January or the 18th of February isn't going to make a massive amount of difference. The Packers still can do their searches now. They can still begin doing their research on future defensive coordinators, et cetera, et cetera, most of which are not even going to be available for hire until the playoffs are done because that's where all the good defensive coordinator candidates are going to be, although maybe not all. So it's, it's not as dire. But then I started to remember, like, I know we've had these conversations before. Maybe it was about Petten or the old special teams coordinator or something. And I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember having probably around this time of year, this exact discussion, and I was on the exact opposite side of things. And there were two main points, and I don't know how to argue against these two main points right now, even though it seems like an overreaction and it almost borderline feels like the wrong thing to do to let go of Joe Barry. The two main points are this. Number one, you can get an early jump. That doesn't mean hiring, but here's the thing. You're not going to be making phone calls in the building while Joe Barry's still there. You're not going to do that. You might be peeking. You might be looking out of the corner of your eyes. You might have your your sunglasses on. You know, you look straight ahead, but your eyes kind of glance over to the side kind of thing, looking for defensive coordinators anyways. That's what I do when I look for defensive coordinators on the beach. I don't go to the beach. I'm just kidding. I live in Wisconsin. Leave me alone. This would be the one way, and of course, you can promote somebody. If there's anybody on the inside that you think maybe can do it, you give them a half-hearted attempt, even though you know full well this isn't going to be the guy. In fact, you're pretty sure that all of them are about to be fired. But you pick somebody. You know, pick David Montgomery. The guy's been here forever, right? He, I feel like he's been a Packers defensive line coach since before my son was born. And that kid's freaking old at this point. Pretty sure he's going to be driving soon. I don't, I'm not sure. I can't keep track of time anymore. But anyways, oh, I'm getting depressed about time. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Number one is getting an early jump because now we can aggressively start looking at things. We can, we can have team meetings, right? We can have Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy and some other pieces sitting around and discussing these things. We can begin having player meetings, talking about, you know, doing sort of these exit interviews, but we can do it early, talking about like what some of the issues were with the defensive coordinator. What do we need moving forward? You know, we can begin these things, which you cannot do with Joe Barry in the building, not only because you're not going to get away with it because word's going to get back to him, but because it's immoral. (laughs) It's not the right thing to do. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, don't worry about it. We're having a secret meeting. You can't come in, but it's not about you. Also, I need to have a meeting with the entire defensive staff and all the defensive players, you not included, though. But don't worry, this isn't about you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Look, this is massive, right? This is absolutely massive, making sure you find the right person. And listen, there are some studs out there. There just are. Whether it's some young, new stud up-and-comer who are out there, you know what I mean? Like Sean McVay was a tight ends coach at one point, but they knew, you know, everybody knew. That's why Sean McVay went from... He like leaped over Matt LaFleur, who was ahead of him. At least I, in my mind, he was quarterback compared to tight end, whatever. But like he just jumped everybody and, and because they, they knew how good he was. Like there's this lone tight end guy that everybody wanted to keep around. What's up with that? Because they, they knew. And he, he quickly moves up to offensive coordinator and then quickly head coach. Like it just, a, he just beelines because he's a stud. You have to find that guy. 
I don't know if he's in college. I don't know if he's in the pros. I don't know if he's a current defensive coordinator looking for a shift. I don't know if he's a linebacker coach. I don't know if he's a freaking special teams coordinator who did a little defense back in college. I don't know who he is, but there are some guys out there that are going to be fantastic at running a defense, and you have to find them, and it is critically important. And I can't help but feel like if you know definitively that Joe Barry will not be here next year, as much as it feels like it might be a spiteful thing to do to a friend right before the holidays, again, this is absolutely 1,000% critical that ye- whoever that person is, that per- you're not the only team that's going to know about them, and you have to get them. You have to identify the right person. You got to start the meetings before everybody else, and you got to lock that person down before anybody else does. You throw a contract in his face before he's able to hop back on a plane. I think that's what happened with Matt LaFleur. Like he went to a meeting with Green Bay and then he left. And on his way, I think, to another meeting or something for, for an interview, I think they had like sent him a text message or something, basically offering him the job. Probably misremembering that, but it was something to that effect. It was, you know, they let him walk out the door and you feel like it's over. And I think they all had meetings where like, we can't let him meet with somebody else. Like we have to lock him down, which I'm happy about. Most people aren't, whatever, doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about. The point is there's urgency here. And, you know, as much as I don't wish any harm or ill will toward Joe Barry, I don't, you know, I don't relish the idea of him being fired before the holidays and and what that might mean for his family or whatever else. At the end of the day, your obligation is to the team, not to the coaches, not to the players. And as much as there may be, you know, some ruffling of feathers, some people, you get the Aaron Rodgers effect where it's like, well, that's not how you treat people. And maybe that has a negative impact. That kind of leads me into point number two. And that is for everybody that sees that as a negative, I think there's a possibility of there being a positive message, which is we will not tolerate this. And I think the defense needs that. And I don't mean that from a condemning standpoint. I think the defense needs you to stand up for them. I think somebody needs to stand up. And essentially, if you're not going to say the words directly because you don't want to just hit Joe Barry over the face with a baseball bat verbally, but you need to send a message that in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we're here for championships, number one. And number two, we have championship talent on this defense, and we need to find somebody that can get the best out of them. Because guys are getting upset. You know, Jair Alexander is not happy with the way things are going on defense. Rashawn Gary was found sitting by himself on the bench after the team left. These guys feel dismayed, and it would be great for the head coach to come in and say, listen, you guys are unbelievably talented, and we have failed you as coaches, but we are going to rectify that. And I need you to keep your head up because I want you there with me when we're playing in the Super Bowl in the next couple years. But I need you to believe in me. Accept my apology for failing you. But I need you to believe in me. It sends a very strong message. We're not just going to skate along with, eh, good enough. We got guys here that are battling, that are fighting, that, that, are, that are doing everything that they possibly can. And it's ending up just not being good enough. You know, you stand where the, where the guy tells you to stand, and then they score a touchdown, and you look like a jag-off. That's on me, not on you. And, and letting Joe Barry go is the first step in, in number one, apologizing. Number two, making a, a very strong stance that this will not be tolerated in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Then number three, that we're taking this very seriously in, in, in rectifying this. Because this isn't just about, we, we're going to build around Jordan, and all that matters is Jordan, and you guys can go screw yourself. I'm not the offensive guy that's going to cater to the offense and whatever. We'll just find some scrub to come in, and you guys figure it out. 
as the head coach of this team, the guy that is in charge of the defense, the offense, the defense, and the special teams, I am in charge of the defense. My mission is to have an elite defense that can lead us through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. And I will not stop until we get there. And we're going to find somebody. And starting today, we're going to start meeting. I'm going to meet with you. We're all going to have meetings. And we're going to find out where we went wrong and what we need to do to make sure that this is right. We're going to find the right guy. And you're going to help me find him. The, the, the opposite side of that is I'm not going to send that message. And we are going to tolerate mediocrity. 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 Mediocre gritties. And we are going to let defensive-minded people start looking elsewhere and have other teams start to try to poach these guys or whatever. But it's because we don't want to ruin Joe's holiday, you know? And not just Christmas, but also New Year's, you know? Maybe President's Day. I'm, I'm not sure uh, Martin Luther King Day and whatnot. Like, you know, you don't want to have a bad Martin Luther King Day. Nobody wants that. Bro, you're, you're stalling, okay? You're stalling. And it sucks. It really does. You know what? Don't hire your friends. Don't hire your friends. If you don't hire your friends, you won't have to fire your friends. So, you know, again, in in my gut, it feels like the wrong thing to do. It feels unnecessary. It was a bad performance. We don't need to overreact. We're going to we're going to continue gathering data. We got a couple games left. We're going to coast through. Then we're going to kind of, you know, take a little bit of time to figure out how things are going. I think uh, they will choose not to renew his contract. And we'll begin the process of finding a new defensive coordinator after the season is wrapped up. And, I, and honestly, that's that's leaning toward how I feel it's going to go. Just just partially because a midseason firing feels like it's meant to be a spit in the face. Yes, we could have waited, but I just felt like saying F you. And, and I just feel like Matt LaFleur is not going to do that. But again, I, I can't, when I really think about it, the positives and the negatives, the, the positives far outweigh the negatives. And again, it's not meant to be spiteful or bitter or anything like that. It's just what makes the most sense. And as I said, why wasn't I bothered by this performance? Just bringing it back full circle. It's because I already know everything I need to know. I know everything I need to know. And it doesn't matter how good or how bad the defense is from here on out. I have my answer to this question. I just do. I've seen it. We've seen this play out. We know how this goes. Right, the defense was real strong. I mean, even if they were really good down the last three games, they did that last year. They were real good for more than three games. It was like four or something. <laughs> like real good against really good teams too, some of them. Or one of them or something. I don't know. I can't remember things. And what happened? We, we, we ranked 28th. I can't imagine we're going to go anywhere but backwards from here. Second highest points scored by the Buccaneers this year. Most amount of yards given up, most passing yards that they've given up, most first downs that they've gotten in a year. I mean, it's just, it was a bad performance. It's not, well, the Bucks are really good, and well, they got Mike Evans, and well, Baker's actually a pretty good quarterback, and well, you know, Rashad White's a good running back. I know he's a good running back. He's on my fantasy team. I know how good he is, son. That doesn't change the fact that when you compare it to everybody else, it's worse than everybody else. It's like, well, the, the rushing yards weren't too bad. Yeah, because they didn't have to run it. They just chucked it 15 yards down the field every time. And it was, you know, a pretty effective strategy. So again, I don't like it, generally speaking. I mean, just from a, from a, a, a human level, I don't like it. And I, I don't know that it's entirely necessary. But again, when you look at, I mean, pros and cons, right? As I said, pros, 
get a start immediately on finding the right defensive coordinator, exhaust massive amounts of efforts. I want entire departments switched over to finding that defensive coordinator. Get your pro personnel staff on it. Hey, trade deadlines passed, jag off. Find, make yourself useful and find me a defensive coordinator, right? You guys are sleeping in your office today. That's just what's happening. I'll see you at 1 a.m. with freaking pizza, all right? And then number two is a, a, a direct message sent, which is this will not be tolerated. Okay, what are the cons? Not personal, I mean for the team. What are the cons? Maybe some people would be sad, although I don't think so, because there seems to be a very big divide. There already has been. I mean, Jair has been spouting off at the mouth of that with anti-Joe Barry stuff since last year. Kenny Clark looks like he's in a bout of depression since last year. I can't get more than two words out of Kenny Clark. I mean, I don't mean me, but it's just he just seems like he doesn't want to talk anymore. Carrington Valentine this week basically threw Joe Barry under the bus, just looking at some of the quotes that I saw. I really don't think Joe getting fired is going to cause a revolt. In fact, it's almost the opposite because somebody's to blame. And if they stick by Joe Barry, that implies that it's the player's fault. If you fire Joe Barry, it implies that it's Joe Barry's fault and not the player's fault. So again, I just don't think that that's going to be a problem in the locker room. So again, I ask you, what are the cons? Oh, and and you get somebody that can come up and audition, not just for the current defensive coordinator spot, but maybe for another DC job somewhere else or something, you know, which would be a positive. What 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 are the cons again? I mean, I suppose the the most glaring con would be that we're not eliminated from the playoffs yet, and as much as it you know, as much as I think a lot of people would say that you can't go backwards, you certainly can go backwards. And elevating the guys that we currently have feels like a quick way to go backwards, and so we would be eliminated from the playoffs. But that's that's flimsy, and it's flimsy based on the recent performance of the defense. Again, do you actually trust this defense to get you into the playoffs? Do you even trust the offense? I don't, and that's no that's no reason to necessarily throw the season when it's within grasp. And again, we we have to take that position because how many times have we seen these wild swings? Next week they come out. Eviscerate the Panthers, and it's like, okay, that looked good, but it's just the Panthers. And then they do it again to Minnesota, and it's like, oh, maybe this is real. And then they do it again to the Bears, and it's like, ah. Oh, and then we have this whole thing about, see, you didn't believe. Like we've we've been through this too many times. So I'm not sitting here saying throw the season. And if you genuinely believe that we have a chance with Joe Barry, and it'll be ruined if we get rid of him, then okay, maybe that's that's the con. But I don't know, man. This was rough. This was real rough. Anyways, let's take our final break, take a look at some of the uh, negative results of this week's games, a couple other key points and whatnot, kind of end how we should have started, but I, again, wanted to dive right into it, but uh, we'll take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, by the way, if you want to support the podcast. Otherwise, hit me up on Venmo Packernet podcast. We will take a break. We'll be right back. So the Green Bay Packers odds did officially plummet down to 29%. The Lions are above 99%. The Vikings are at 50%. The Packers at 29%. The Bears down to 3%. It was a steep drop-off for the Packers. It was a sharp incline and then just an absolute plummet these last couple weeks. Now, the good news is, again, the Packers are, or excuse me, the Vikings are still the most important. We did this yesterday, but if you just isolate each individual game, obviously we have to do Panthers first, then Vikings, then then Bears. But if I just if I just told 
this machine, which runs 250,000 simulations over at the New York Times. Right now, it says you have a 29% chance of getting in. If I tell the machine, yeah, but we're going to beat the Vikings, 54% chance. Now, it doesn't know what the other results are, but I think it assumes, which is why it's such a big game, not only because it's the Vikings we're competing with them, but it also is going to assume that you beat the Panthers and the Bears. In fact, let's go through it real quick. If I just start off and say we're going to beat the Panthers, and I do think we will, not a guarantee, obviously, but let's just do that. We beat that team, and suddenly we're in a situation where if we beat the Vikings, there is a 67% chance of us getting into the playoffs. It's that easy. Right. And and again, you assume that you're going to beat the Panthers. Now, if we lose to the Panthers, that sucks. And we're in a position now where beating the Vikings puts us at 26 percent. So then we beat them. Even if we beat the Bears, you're at a 40 settling about 45 percent chance, which is still kind of close or whatever. But assume if we lose to the Panthers, it's basically over. But again, if 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 we win out. There are scenarios in which we don't get in, but there is a 97% chance we're in the playoffs if you win out. So that's going to be the most important thing um, is beating the Vikings. And again, the, the two most important games are the final two. If we if we lose to the Panthers and beat the Vikings and Bears, it's still pretty close to a 50% chance. Now, with that said, um, I have not seen the Eagles and Seahawks game. So we're sitting at about 30%. It actually moved to 30%. It runs new simulations, so it kind of changes or whatever, but 30% chance of us getting into the playoffs as it stands right now. If the Seahawks win, it drops us down to 24% chance. If the Eagles win, then we're up to 32-ish. Now, you've obviously already seen the outcome of that game, but I'm just saying that's how things, that's how it kind of shifts a little bit. Also, the Rams winning really did hurt the Packers. So going forward, that's going to be the biggest um, the biggest thing is we want the Rams to lose, especially like Week 17. One of the biggest non-Packers games that moves the needle in our favor is if the Giants beat the Rams Week 17. And I, I again, I think the reason that is is because some of these other games assume they're going to beat the Giants, so they just auto-put that as a W. So if the Giants win, that changes everything. But going forward, um, the Rams are one of our biggest issues. And if I just move that forward a little bit, for example, so it's sitting at 28% right now. So just, you know, 28, 29, 30, whatever. If the Rams win next week, I'm not even going to pick any of the Packers games. They win next week, we're down to settling 25% chance. If the Rams win week 17, it drops us down to, uh, it said 17%, now it's sitting at 21%, whatever. Um, and then if the Rams win again, we're down to just a 19, 18% chance. So we're in a lot of trouble if the Rams kind of go on a winning streak. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to root for the 49ers to beat the Rams. I hate rooting for them, but I'm just going to have to. And then the uh, the Saints also to beat the Rams. If that happens, even if they beat the Giants, it boosts us from a 30 to a 35% chance. So that's kind of the biggest one. Obviously, some of the other teams that we need to lose are the Seahawks, which again, not only this week, but next week we need the Seahawks to lose to the Titans. Um, the Seahawks the next week play the Steelers, and then unfortunately the Cardinals. And then aside from that, it looks like the Vikings are are the other team. Um, so a little bit the Falcons. We'll, we'll kind of see how these things settle down a little bit. I mean, it's basically the NFC South because we don't know how that's going to be sorted out. So we're kind of rooting against them all the time, no matter what. And then Vikings, Seahawks, and Rams are the other ones that uh, 
we're kind of rooting against again with the Rams being the biggest. So look, it's it's it really is far from over. Um, and and again, the biggest one is we got to beat the Vikings, right? I mean, they're all big. We basically have to win out. Which, if I may say, Kyle from Madison, love you, dog. But when I say losing to the Giants mattered, this is kind of what I meant. <laughs> the situation we're in now, where we have to win out, and also again. This game makes a lot of sense, and you kind of saw it coming after you saw that Giants game where it's like, okay, I think things might suck a little bit moving forward. But, um, yeah, it, look, it's not over. If we do keep Joe Barry, which I kind of think we will, I don't mean next year, I mean for the rest of the year, I don't expect our defense to implode to that degree. You know, another thing, that I, I don't think I brought it up, but, you know, sometimes you just get beat, and I know that sounds like a stupid non-answer that I said I, I hate when they give that, but honestly... You know, you come into these games with a game plan, and I just think that Tampa Bay had us figured out. They had us pegged. They just called the right, um, they had the right plan to go up against our defense and then just called all the right plays at the right time. I mean, it's just sometimes that just happens where they they just, they're just, they're hot. You know what I mean? They're, they're just like freaking NBA jam style. I think they got on a roll. I think they knew exactly how to pick us apart. Not necessarily, well, now everybody has the formula. I think everybody's had the formula for a long time. The bottom, you know, sometimes you're just on fire. It just happens, man. You ever have that day like playing basketball where you're shooting and it's just like they're all just going in? You start doing like fadeaways and they're going in. It's like, dang, dude, I'm good at this. And you start talking yourself up and you go out the next time and you can't freaking hit a basket from the free throw line. Or a better analogy for me would probably be like uh, uh, freaking beer pong. (laughs) Sometimes I'm just an absolute freaking psychopath mercenary and sometimes i just suck i just think that the they just had us pegged in this game again it's not an excuse for joe barry i don't think he does a good enough job and i think people do uh, have a relatively easy job against joe compared to other people i think that's evidenced through things like dvoa which looks at like on a per play success rate teams have a higher success rate against Joe Barry than other teams. That's literally what DVOA means. But I don't think it'll be that bad. And and again, I think we, I do think we beat the Panthers, although we're, we're kind of walking into a buzzsaw here because again, it's a non-divisional opponent on the road. And we have not won a single one of those games yet this year. Now on the flip side, we haven't lost a non-divisional game at home until this week. So maybe we broke the, 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 the freaking whatever you call it. And now we're good to go and we're going to beat the Panthers. And again, at that point, you beat the Vikings, you're basically in. I mean, not really. It's 37% if the Bears beat you. But still, you're, you're, you're not in a terrible situation. A couple of wins go our favor, and we're, we're good to go. But it is getting to be kind of crunch time, too. I mean, look, if, if the Packers win out, there's, there's almost no... So, so and here's, here's really the positive. It, it really still is in the Packers' hands, which is a big deal. Because a lot of times, you kind of get down to this point in time, and it's... It, your destiny is in everybody else's hands. And technically that's true because, again, a 97% chance, which is what the Packers have if they win out, means there is a scenario in which, you know, if this goes exactly wrong, then we lose. By the way, and again, I know you've seen the game, if the Eagles do win this game, that goes up to 99%. In other words, if the Eagles win, we win out, we're in. It's just, it's done. There's nothing really anybody can do that'll change that. So that's a big game. Um, but it is a big deal to have it still within your own grasp and say, listen, we're not eliminated and, and we don't have to depend on anybody but ourselves. And Tucker Craft actually had a great quote. In fact, let me go find it. Let's, we'll punctuate it and we can just about end with this. Actually, I haven't even hardly covered anything talking about the same thing over and over. I'm just 
time flies when you're having fun, you know. Here is what Tucker Craft had to say, and honestly, I don't necessarily think he's wrong. I, I believe the only people that can beat the Packers are the Packers. We play behind the sticks, you know, play, we start drives, you know, back up because of our own selves, whether it's a special team's penalty or, uh, you know, we're... I'm just going to stop it there. The, the microphones they use suck. How, how do you point a microphone at a guy and I can hear somebody 14 lockers away behind you better than I can hear Tucker frickin' Craft? I don't know if it's just people using their cell phones to record. Can you not invest in a microphone and point it at his mouth hole, you freaking dummy? I'm sorry. Uh, Tucker Kraft said, I believe the only team that can beat the Packers are the Packers. And, and again, in the context of the playoffs, that's true. First of all, it's true. You want in? It's right there. Go in and you're in. It's not 100%, but it's close enough that I'm comfortable just telling you, if you win out, you will get in. So go beat them. It's the Panthers. For crying out loud, I understand they won a game. Congratulations. It's the freaking Panthers, the Minnesota Vikings, who I want to say don't even have a quarterback, but I'm, I'm worried because the Packers really seem to struggle with teams that don't have quarterbacks. Like, that's when they're at their worst. So I don't even know what to say about that. And then the Bears, who just crap the bed against freaking Cleveland. They're winnable games. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. They're all obviously losable. They're very winnable. Play at your best, you win. Give it your best. I don't mean, like, give it your best shot, like, you know, the old college try. I mean, actually play at your best. Play at your best and you win. Now, specifically, the only team that can beat the Packers are the Packers. Eh, there's probably a couple teams that at their best would beat the Packers at their best. But I think the Packers at their best, honestly, have a real good shot against the top teams, right? Dallas at their best is tough. Um, Buffalo at their best is tough, as we just saw, because they freaking eviscerated Dallas. I think Philly at their best is tough, even though Philly's kind of struggling a little bit. But we don't even need to necessarily worry about that. Just win out. There's no excuses. There's no excuse. You lost. There's no time to pout. You're good, dude. You have nothing to worry about. The, 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 your season is still in your hands. There are teams that are currently eliminated, and you're basically in a win-and-you're-in situation. You got to win three. It's playoff football officially. I mean, it has been for the last two weeks, and you freaking lost them both including to the Giants, who are complete dog crap, and to Tampa, who's a mediocre team in your house. Again, playoff flashbacks. But for all intents and purposes, as they say, you're right. You're right. The only team that can beat you is you. So don't beat yourself. Go ahead and get yourself a playoff spot. And if you don't, you only have yourself to blame. Period. But I mean, just a couple great little nuggets here. Baker Mayfield... 22 of 28, 381 yards, four touchdowns. Included in that was a 52-yard pass and a 158.3 passer rating. He had a perfect passer rating. Uh, Dara over on the Twitter says, Green Bay's 208 passing yards allowed by linebackers today is the most by any defense in any football game all season. Let me, let me end with this. Let me just see if there's any other stats because I just thought of this the other day, or I guess today, and... Um, I want to touch on it a little bit, but let me make sure I got all these little stat nuggets out of the way so I can close these freaking tabs so I don't have them up for the next week. Like, remember to say it this time. Uh, here, and, and I think tomorrow we'll go through some more of the locker room interviews and stuff. I don't want to do it tonight because it's, you know, late, et cetera, et cetera. But this little snippet from was, was from Ryan Wood. He said, a lot of talk in the Packers locker room about getting, quote, schemed up. Example, Rashad White's 26-yard touchdown catch in the third quarter. White ran open down the seam. Bucks hadn't shown the play on film. Carrington Valentine, quote, 
We wasn't expecting that. We were driving down hard on the screens, and they got us. Actually, that's a great segue into what I want to talk about. There has been incessant talk about things like man versus zone. We play too much zone. We should be in man. There's also obviously Trucker Bob who mentioned 3-4 versus 4-3, whatever the case may be. Let me just offer you some words of advice. To those of you who want Joe Barry gone, I don't know that anybody is helping Joe Barry more than people who are screaming about man coverage versus zone coverage or any other like black and white kind of a thing. Even things like playing close versus playing off. It is a massive benefit to Joe Barry and the people who are defending him. Do you want to know why? Because today we played a lot of man coverage and all of our guys got cooked. Today we had instances, and yesterday actually, today it was funny, we, we actually did play up the one time we got a stop finally, but the bottom line is there are going to be lots of instances where we play in man coverage and lose. There are going to be instances where we do exactly what you as a fan say and we're going to lose. And guess what? At that moment, it's going to be used as evidence that you're wrong. See, you think it's a black and white issue. You think Joe Barry's the problem, and if he just does what you say, that it'll be fixed. Well, guess what? Joe Barry did what you said, and it didn't work, so it looks like you're an idiot, and Joe Barry's the right guy. Again, I'm going to bring you back to my stupid thing. It's not about any one thing. You can win with man. You can win with zone. You can win with 4-3. You can win with 3-4. You can win with single high. You can win with two high. You can win being aggressive. You can win being conservative. You can win playing, uh, you know bump and run you can win playing off you can win playing all these different things they all they're all in the nfl for a reason because they have their time and their place it's about calling the right things at the right time we got to stop getting focused on you know we're we're doing this and we need to do that not to say that in certain instances like harrington valentine playing way off on a you know whatever okay that's an instance but it's not a matter of we we, we always do this and we should always do this again I'm going to bring it up because it's just correct. Think rock, paper, scissors. None of those three is necessarily good or necessarily bad. They're completely and entirely neutral. Rock is not a fraction better than paper or scissors. The problem with our defense isn't that we're constantly calling paper when we should be calling rock. The problem with our defense is that we're constantly calling paper when they're constantly calling scissors. I mean... How, how many times, I'll give you an, an, an exact example, and we heard the announcers talk about it. Think about how often we only rushed four guys. It, it's pretty regular. Rush four, drop everybody else. That's, that's pretty much the standard. Again, it's not right or wrong. Maybe we do it too much, maybe that, but that's not the issue. There was another play where they ran a screen, and the announcers said they called that at the exact right time. Why? Because we brought a free blitzer. We brought somebody that we finally said, you know what, let's dial up a blitz. And we had a guy come off the edge, and suddenly we got a bunch of guys rushing downhill. They throw it on a screen at the exact right time. We're calling rock, 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 rock. They're calling paper, 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 paper. And we're like, all right, we're going to get them. We're going to call scissors. We call scissors, they call rock, and smash the crap out of us. Joe Barry's bad at rock, paper, scissors. He just doesn't call the right things at the right time. And so, no, I'm not going to sit here and say a linebacker should never be in man coverage. But I am going to say that when our linebacker is getting beat over and over and over and over and over again by pretty good slot-wide receivers, that's not a great situation to be in. And the fact that Joe Barry is always able to be manipulated is in and of itself a problem. We talked about this already before. In fact, we talked about all this before. But there was a specific instance where 
the linebacker was on a receiver and everybody lost their mind. And the retort, which was technically correct, was, well, this is a 3-4 defense. And if you play man coverage, he's technically on that person. I think it was a line or a tight end. So when the tight end splits out, he has an obligation to split out with him. That's how it works in man defense. But my issue with that is, so then why doesn't every team do that every single time? And this is exactly what I was talking about before, where I was tired of the excuses. I was always tired. Of, I was honestly tired of the explanations. Well, because it's man coverage and that's just how it goes. It's the answer is always, that's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. Well, that's not how it goes for anybody else. Maybe occasionally, but it's just, it's one after another after. And in this game, it was the biggest beating of rock, paper, scissors I've ever seen. It was a masterclass by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a complete implosion on our part. It was constantly mismatches. Every time we zigged, they zagged. Every single time we brought guys off the edge, they threw a little dump off pass. Or when they would come blitzing, they would, we would, Every time we would blitz, they would either throw a dump off pass or they would run the ball at the middle. Our guys are already past the running back and he's got open space behind him. It was constant. They played Joe Barry in this defense like a freaking fiddle in this game. And that's why I said it's as if they had their they had Joe Barry's headset on and were listening to the play calls because they knew exactly what to call every single time and it worked every single time and Joe didn't know how to get out of it. Again, it reminded me of playing Madden with my buddy where it's like, he kept calling the same play over and over, and it's like, I literally don't know which play to call that's going to fix this. I don't know what to do. I call zone, you know, to try to take, you know, it was like a little slant route or something. It was like, I call zone to try to put a guy in that spot, and he can't get there. I call man to try to disrupt him, and he gets beat by the route. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. And that was Joe Barry. He didn't know what to do. But again, we have to stop with this black and white stuff because you're making Joe Barry's case for him. Because when we sit here and scream, man, 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 Joe Barry goes to the podium and says, we played a lot of man and our guys got beat. And now what? You look like an idiot. And Joe Barry was right all along. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. It's not about man or zone or press coverage or soft coverage. Three, four, four, three, whatever. Two high, single high, four man rush, five man rush, six man rush. It's about knowing how to utilize the pieces that you have because you have a unique skill set of players. You got some strengths and some weaknesses. You got to figure out how to maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses because on the other side, they're trying to maximize your weaknesses and minimize your strengths. And so far, they've been very successful. Rashawn Gary has not been able to generate jack squat lately because it's just been, he's just been erased. And, and Joe Barry has not been able to figure out how to maximize the fact that they're expending extra resources for Rashawn and it's like, okay, so let's generate pressure somewhere else. Haven't been able to figure out how to do that. But then also call the right things at the right times. And I just don't think he can do it. I don't think he can. And this is where I think we had a caller that or somebody just reached out to me. I don't know. But the this general sentiment was it feels like Joe Barry just needs to be bailed out all the time. Like our defense can be good if we have our superstars, you know, show up and make great plays. If Rashawn Gary just throws a guy across the field and gets a sack, then our defense is, that's like the whole bend don't break philosophy. It's I don't know what to do. We're just going to suck all the way down the field until somebody makes a big play, until somebody gets a strip sack or until somebody gets a pick or something. But until then, I don't know how to stop this. We just need to sit here and wait for a miracle. That's Ben, don't break. Make him go down the field and run enough plays that eventually a mistake has to happen. Eventually, the ball gets tipped and gets picked. Eventually, one of our pass rushers gets home and gets a strip sack and, and we recover. Eventually, something happens. But on a play-to-play -play basis, are we just going to beat you? Are we just going to be better than you? Are we going to dominate you? Are we going to suffocate you? The answer is no, we're not. And we never have. 
Anyways, I feel like I want to keep going, and I haven't hardly touched on anything else other than the defense and Joe Barry, but I feel like we've uh, pretty well covered it, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about it all week on Packernet After Dark. Be sure to get your calls in. I see already there's been a ton of calls. Um, but I got to go do that. I got to go record that. So you guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.